it's Samilla from Men's Way by a Woman podcast. Welcome to another episode. Um, today's episode, I've got Zach Timmel, who is a creative advisor, stylist, art director in menswear. And I'm just going to get him on board and have a chat about, um, you must have seen him um, on, his, on his Instagram because he dresses very well. And um, I think that's the reason why I approached him and said, um, because I could see how his influences are in menswear. So I'm going to bring him on and we're going to have a quick chat about menswear and how he got into menswear. Hi, Zach. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Sunilla. Morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm okay. Thanks, Zach. Um, thank you very much for coming on to Menswear by Woman podcast. Oh, that's my pl- absolute pleasure. Like, thank you for having me on. So, um, Zach, the first time I came across your Instagram, um, I must admit that you dress very well and um, you have this influence oh, in you. menswear quite um, very well. And I wanted to get you on board and I just wanted to know how you got into menswear in a sense that were you always dressing up the way you're dressed at the moment? Um, so I suppose like most uh, South Asians, or well, I don't know if it's most South Asians, but especially my mother and my father coming from a tailoring background, always okay. taught to sort of dress dress your best whenever you're out of the house to represent your your family in the best way possible, right? I think yeah. I think it was quite similar for like immigrant parents to you know um, teach their children to put in double the effort because um, you'd get you'd have to work double double hard to get fifty percent of the of the reward right so I think yeah just in general growing up I used to hate like dressing formally and smartly and I think that was just (laughs) the just a normal rebellious nature of being a child right um and then when you look back at it in hindsight you're like actually that was I'm pretty um proud that my parents told me to you know take care of how you dress I think dressing um well is a form of 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 good manners, right, and respect to whoever you're meeting as well. So, um, yeah, my style changed from, um, I think when I went to university, it became a bit more, more edgy, more, more, not urban, but it was a bit more grunge, I think, my style was, it fluctuated. So it wasn't always formal tailoring and, um, you know, suits, uh, like most people, I think, our styles change and yeah. depending on the time of history as well, right? I think clothes are a form of social history. So depending on what time period you are and what's happening, like Y2K, for example, has come back uh, in such a strong way at the moment, but we kind of live through that Y2K era where the way everyone was dressing. So I think that informed a lot of our sort of our style diaries in a, in a sense. So, yeah, it's fluctuated, but then in the last, I suppose, 10, 12 years, it's been consistently um, tailoring and soft tailoring. How do you um, go about with tailoring at the moment? How do you, um, you know, put garments together kind of thing when you're doing a Instagram shoot or when you're meeting people or anything like that? Um, so I suppose my personal style is... Um, sort of informal casual tailoring is mixing parts of my personality within the clothes so a lot of the time I don't really like to wear say for example formal shoes it's usually a trainer or a loafer or a slipper that I'll 
I'll pair with right. either separate, so it would be trousers and uh, a blazer or a jacket, or it would be a, a full suit, but then that could be, um, yeah, paired with a clash of colours or print or design, or it could be all black, you know, you can't go wrong, a classic all black look. So usually when I'm, I'm dressing up, it depends on the mood I'm in. And also right. the weather, and that sort of dictate, dictates what kind of style. I'm usually just, I'll pick out something in the morning, or I don't really pre-prepare my looks as such. It's just, unless it's something specific, it'll just be going with um, how I feel, really. Do you think, um, you know, um, both of us are South Asians, um, we're, we're like you know, Asians, oh. and do you think it has helped us with the form of colour? Because you know how menswear is so, um, you know, colour is so important. Because yeah. I always say that, you know, my mum wearing saris and all that stuff, it's kind of helped me with colour. Do you think that's the same with you, yourself as well? Because, you know, um, on your Instagram, you put colour together very well. Oh, thank you. Um yeah, I think I think you're probably right in in that sense because um, my background is yeah from India, so yeah, you know so, growing yeah. up we were surrounded by lots of color prints and patterns, and I, I suppose subconsciously it, it informs your your taste and your style and how you see different types of color and how it affects yeah. your mood and the psychology of of that in styling art directing and how you design a set to how, you know, music informs, you know, a certain experience. And I suppose colour is similar in that sense that in India, the vibrancy and the prints and patterns yeah. are yeah. paramount in yeah. in most of our culture, right? So, yeah, yeah it's, I think growing up, I was more into monotone, neutral colours, like blacks, white. I was so white and then I was dressing in as black. As I got an older, time. yeah, it's informed by styling a bit more. I'd say I was dressing in black all the time, and my mum hated it mm. so much. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> I think it's a, it might be a salvation thing where yeah, Asian where we always dress in black. black because I think it signifies you know a sadness or yeah, uh, it does. funerals, yeah. right? So yeah, because yeah. with um with us, we have to wear white uh, during funerals. Mm. So yeah. um, black is seen. Um, you know, my mum always has hated the colour black. She thinks it's sad and yeah. it doesn't and it, she always says it doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> Wear some colour. You know? And yeah, it's like exactly. I think the re rebelling against her, saying, No, I'm gonna wear black and become you know, I was so black, yeah. kind of grunge kind of um, you know, always everything was black. I I think once I painted my whole bedroom black actually. Um, oh really? Yeah, okay. I didn't was, go that far, but yeah, no, think, it was rebelling uh, because my brother got me black um, at, a, at a wedding or Mendy, and my mum wasn't too <laughs> no, happy. No, that's not. Um, that will never yeah. happen. I think <laughs> she'll probably kill me. Um, but um, I think my brother painted um, had uh, my bedroom in pink, and I came home and I went, "Are you oh, wow. kidding me?" And he did it. I'm sure he did it for just to annoy me or something. So I went and yeah. said to dad, I need to get some paint. And so my dad said, yeah, sure. So I came home with black paint and painted the whole room in black. So, um, yeah, it was a black box, basically. <laughs> you know, um, but I think, um, 
I do think colour is like one of the most important parts of menswear. Um, with the tailoring part, right? How do you think menswear yeah. is at the moment with tailoring? Um, I think at the moment it's in a bit of a flux state, mainly due to the pandemic and uh, the lockdown and how. I think it goes through peaks and troughs tailoring. Right. It was very, in the last sort of 10 years, also when I started my brand, it was, when I started my brand about 12 years ago, there was there was nothing in the market that was middle of the ground. It was either High Street, you had like Top Man Revile, and you had, yeah, yeah. had Burton, John Lewis, M&S, and you had yeah. your department stores, Selfridges, Harrods, and then you had Savile Row. There was yeah. nothing in between. And then yeah. over the course of the last 12 years, the industry menswear has become something of its of its own of its own world and you've seen the filling of those gaps by independent designers and also the the big houses paying more attention to menswear um so even when i said it was due out of necessity as simple as it found sounds i couldn't find a black velvet bow tie so my mother actually made the first one um and then gradually built the collection from just one single product and kind of the frustration i felt a lot of other you know men felt to in terms of finding good quality handmade in london products that were affordable luxury um that hit that middle of the ground so it's kind of grow it it, there was a huge boom like uh 10 years ago right and it kind of exponentially grew where tailoring was like very trendy and everyone was had big beards uh which seems like a long time ago now, but yeah, beards and moustaches and yeah. that whole aesthetic was very trendy. And then yeah. well, I think it kind of slowed down with Instagram, TikTok and social media. There's so many different trends happening at the same time. I think it's unprecedented. There's no singular trend that's dictated by, say, Fashion Week or the Fashion Councils or um, even like colours or prints or patterns, right? There's kind of a a wide consensus but not really i feel like tiktok especially drives trends and there's multiple different trends happening at the same time and during the pandemic and lockdown when everyone was glued to their phones people were exploring style and design um but from the casual point of view right so no one was sat at home wearing a suit (laughs) because it just it just didn't make sense right no one was um no one was dressing up formally unless they were doing a shoot, right? So yeah. everything that turned towards more casual, comfortable, utility-type clothing. Yeah. Um, and then also you see the deformalization of the workplace, right? So people are working from home. People are um, have flexible hours, yeah. remote working. And now they're even changing the number of days that people will work from, like, compulsory to five days to like four to three days right and tailoring was seen as like a uniform for a lot of the workplace and you've kind of seen yeah sort of the process has become deformalized in that sense deconstructed um and formal tailoring has kind of been at the brunt end of that so um i feel like it's it's a flux you know things happen in you know, cycles, yeah. and because of the multiple trends happening via social media at the same time, individual style is kind of 
everything and everywhere all at once. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think tailoring is still relevant. I mean, you'll always be wearing something formal to events and occasions and galas and balls. Um, but on a day-to-day level, I think it's declined quite dramatically and it's right. moved towards more casual tailoring pieces, right. more bespoke and more... Um, I think people, yeah, want more handmade yeah, I've garments seen that, that as well. have longevity yeah. uh, rather than something. I mean, you could say fast fashion, but I mean, the industry in fast fashion is absolutely booming itself. So yeah. that would not be correct either. So, yeah, I think there's just multiple um, style trends happening all at the same time. So tailoring is still there, but it's kind of, on the back burner for now, but I'm sure at some point it will peak again. Do you, did you find it difficult getting into the industry? Um, I think because the time I was starting, it was quite fortuitous in the sense that it was right when menswear was at a, a nascent period in tailoring and that growth uh, 10 years ago, when I started, I started in both London and Dubai at the same time. Um, uh, London itself has always been competitive like to break into. Um, Dubai, we saw um, a faster trajectory in go- growth just because it was such a, a new kind of industry. Fashion itself was um, at its very early stages, so a lot of the people we met and a lot of the the collaborations and the partnerships we had were more fulfilling and at the start of the growth of the industry was London it was a bit more competitive and although in saying that it was there was a huge need for it so yeah we kind of had to mobilize very quickly like we sold out I think we made a, a small collection of 50 pieces like bow ties and that sold out within six weeks so it was like, oh, okay, well, there's actually a need for this. So kind of, and then within, I think, eight weeks, we were approached by a boutique in Dubai Mall to design women's wear. So yeah. it was like shirts and bow ties for like one of the biggest women's wear boutiques in, in Dubai. So it was like, we were just rolling with it. It was no kind of intention to have like a brand or it was very organic and innocent in that sense. We kind of roll with the punches and you know any opportunity we looked at with bright eyes and you know kind of went with it but we have no like myself I have no formal tailoring training or I've not been in the fashion industry growing up I didn't study fashion so um maybe that gave me a different perspective on on how to to be in the industry maybe I don't know um but it was yeah very competitive to to begin with but I think when you truly believe in what you do and you have an idea and you yeah. do it with conviction, then why not, right? There's there's enough space for everyone in the industry to have their own platform and their own designs, and I think... Do you think it's... Um, as, as, yeah. Go on, sorry, as... As as weird as it sounds, being nice is super underrated in the fashion industry. So just <laughs> by being nice to people and showing people respect, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people were taken aback by like, oh, you, you, you guys are actually quite nice. We're like, yeah, like would follow <laughs> up and like talk to people normally and treat them as people. And I think that was like, I don't know, it was seen as a bit 
strange in, in the shoot. So I, I think that kind of being nice went a long way. So it was kind of interesting in that sense. Um, do you think, um, you know, when you start with a collection, how do you go about it with the creative side of it? Um, so I'm usually just in a creative mode constantly so okay. uh, anything I see or what I'm doing on a day-to-day I'll have my note notebook out and I'll sketch or I'll write down ideas and right. um, constantly what inspires me and then at some point when it comes to designing the collection I'll look back at my notes and sort of see where I'm at in that space and time and formulate uh, a collection through that but um, I like the individualistic nature of creating a collection. I didn't like to create something so uniform because I know that was that's kind of the usual process that designers go for fashion week. Usually, you know, you, you choose a color palette or print or pan or a few designs, and it's kind of kind of the standard procedure for collections. But I think because I didn't have that kind of formal mindset or textbook mindset I was even sort of the casting or the models or the locations I chose were were always different or diverse in that sense so I think even when I signed off as a brand I was, I was thinking who would be wearing my clothes and who would I be proud or who would I want to to represent the brand or, or the clothing that I produce or create and the, the story it tells and it was always I had to have different types of people from all different walks of life in in my clothing. So I think even the first collection or the first the first show we did, we had models from all over the world, from Pakistan, from India, from Nepal, from Trinidad and Tobago, from Ghana, Nigeria. You know, it was like a mix of people and it wasn't all a uniform, standardized type of look, but yeah. it represented what I wanted to to impart into the world and even from backstage from you know makeup artists I had worked with a, a great makeup artist Min who's from an Indian background and Louis Maharaj who's a Trinidad background but his parents are all families mixed from Indian heritage so there's always you know that sort of representation was always there and it wasn't kind of oh I need to make a point to bring you know, to show I'm South Asian or I'm brown. That was always just uh, sort of a subsect of who I am as a person, but the clothes and the designs were always paramount to to what I wanted to express. Do you think there's um, less of us in the industry? Um, Yeah, I think um, (laughs) there's been an increase recently. I think when I first entered the industry, more often than not, I was the only uh, person of color in the room, to be honest. So, um, and that was, I mean, I noticed that you notice that just being different and, you know, but it was interesting. I also spoke to, speak to, you know, people in the industry all the time, like who I can, you know, relate to. And the industry itself has, has grown a lot and there's been, growth in like inclusion and diversity um so that's great to see mainly through like social media i think it's been a big advent for that i mean it's great to see people doing well in spaces but i think that also was interesting is a lot of 
South Asian creatives um, in our generation when we grew up, when we entered the industry yeah. um, or any creative space, we kind of being South Asian or brown wasn't the main um, factor of us as creatives. It was our work and our, we were there on merit. We obviously had to work twice as hard, but we were there based on how good our work was, right? So there's a lot of people in the industry that were South Asian, but they weren't, and they were in prominent places, but there were very few of them. So I think the shift now is people have those places in the industry. Sometimes it's a bit tokenomics in terms of ticking boxes. Um, but if you're in that space and you're occupying it, and you're inspiring a new generation, then it must be a good thing, right? Yeah, I, I think the more of us being in the industry kind of opens the door for the next generation to come in and say, yeah, mm. you can have a career in it. A few years back, it was very yeah. difficult. Uh, I know it was very difficult. My background, um, you know, coming into the industry was hugely, hugely obstacles. So, um, and it wasn't just me, it was a few others who I've spoken to as well from the same kind of background. So um, I know how hard it was and I still feel that yeah. certain parts and certain time is still hard. But yeah. on the note, um, having this podcast, opening up doors yeah. for others to say, you know, that should not be the main issue. Um, the main issue should be the creativity and not your yeah, skin tone. Exactly. So I think, um, you know, at the moment, uh, I'm doing a podcast about menswear. I'm hoping that it will mm -hmm. actually open up doors for everyone out there, no matter what skin tones you are. The next generation yeah. of menswear designers, you know, creative photographers, whatever, whoever's doing menswear that it opens up doors Definitely. and tells them that, you know, the only thing that um, should matter is your creativity, nothing else. Um, no gender, yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing to do with your gender, nothing to do with your color of your skin, nothing to do with anything, how you look or whatever. Mm -hmm. It should be purely yeah. creativity that matters. And I'm hoping that this podcast will yeah. show the fact that, you know, we'll, I mean, I'm talking to a lot of people from all different age, all different race, of different gender to come on board and just talk about one thing that we're very passionate about um, is menswear. So I'm hoping that will help everyone else. But as you say, I mean, I know I had it difficult and I'm sure you must have felt it as well, how you were going into the industry as well. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at traditionally, I suppose, Western brands and yeah. Western pop culture, Brown people or South Asians have never been no, seen as trendy or cool, know, right? So we were already facing sort of stereotyping yeah. and, you know, um, that sort of uphill struggle. And Zach, you know what? You're we so born, right. right. So, I was having a conversation um, about this, Zach, as well. And I'm saying that yeah. I see all these books, right? I see all these mm -hmm. books, right, based on, um, you know, men wearing suits and things like that. But yeah. I didn't see all these books when I was growing up. I The only person that I saw that was dressed so well was my father, my yeah. dad, you know, and Bollywood. 
<laughs> the classic yeah. films of Bollywood. So um, how they how the actors dressed and um, and it was nice to do a collaboration with Nigel Cleaver about films and and I was talking about Bollywood mm -hmm. classic Bollywood film actors and he was talking about the yeah. classic um, Hollywood and um, you know British actors as well and how I was talking to sure. him about how I saw the British actors as well as well as um, American actors with the Indian actors, Bollywood actors, with a classic look. Mm -hmm. But I think we've had the best of two worlds, though. We've had two cultures in us, um, you know, which yeah. is our Western culture, which is the British culture, as well as the Indian culture. So I feel mm -hmm. like we're quite lucky in a sense, though, how we had two cultures in us. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, I think like 50s, 60s. Yeah. Especially and seven, some of the 70s Bollywood was yeah. like when I look back on, yeah, they were brilliant. You know, the Bollywood films, the music, the styling was absolutely, absolutely exceptional. So beautiful the way everything was put together from the set design to hair and makeup to costume design, the suiting, the saris was like amazing, so well put together. And, yeah. and when you see the photos of our parents, we as grew well, up when it was, oh, oh sorry, the, when, when you see photos of our parents. Right. Mm, yeah. you know, I see photographs of my mom and dad when they, you know, when they first came here and when my dad was yeah. a very young guy when he came here. I mean, these kind of photographs. Right. And what they wore, my yeah. uncles, what they wore. Um, you know, nobody's seen these images out there. Yeah, nobody true. knows how the salvation, cool. you know, Asian guys, yeah. what they how they used to dress, because there's nothing in any books. Yeah. Of of this is very true. You know? And I was, yeah, I was talking to a few other creatives in the in the industry, a few other friends of mine that are South Asians, and we were we actually had this idea maybe like a oh, good six, seven years ago. We wrote out like a little brief, but it was actually based on how our parents used to dress when yeah. they came to this country and how well tailored um, the looks where the saris, the the bell bottom, the flares, you know, I mean, the mustaches, the glasses, one of those, the hair, um, they used to get yeah, a haircut. Exactly, and, and the beehives. The, I mean, yeah, mum had had this so massive, cool. massive beehive with her saris, with her sunglasses yeah. on. And it's like, you know, you, you look at these photos, you look at these photos, right? You think, oh, my God, nobody, no one, in even my dad's Ooh. suit, you know, crisp suit. Um, exactly. With his white shirt, with his tie, oh my god! And no, mm. nobody in menswear probably knows what I'm talking about. No one, because no one's seen yeah. it. And I actually have ideas exactly. what I really want to do. Maybe we should all get together and create yeah, something. Do you know that? Idea, I, think. I think we need to all sit down, all of us, and say, you know what? Let's do it. I think I might do yeah. this. I might get a hold of you guys and say, yeah, come on. Yeah, definitely. I would love you know, to. I'd I mean, love it to get all definitely of you been guys. in the back of my mind so to do it with I've had people it. that yeah, so you know. So everyone's going to hear this first time ever on Menswear by a Woman podcast, actually. We're thinking of exactly, doing it and we're going to yeah. show you guys what we actually. Stuff. Yeah, we're going to show you guys how our parents used to dress. And um, yeah. one of my cousins. And also how they used to pose and the yeah, location. Yeah, right? exactly. Let's do it. There's always flowers. Let's do somewhere. it. Let, let, let's show it. Formal pose. 
the beach. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, next to a car, I, the I know. Day, you know um, a I mean, <laughs> like my parents went to Brighton yeah. for once, right? With the whole like with their friends and family, not family friends, yeah, more likely. And it was like the most amazing. I mean, my mum's got this beautiful sari on, right, with polka dots on them. And she oh, looked wow. amazing and she looked so stunning. And this was on the beach and kind of thing. And all you can see this mm. whole crowd of Indian family just walking past and somebody took a picture of them. The colours yeah. and the ocean. I mean, I can't tell you, you can't see these photos. No way can you see these photos no. of menswear. Yeah. My dad in his suit, you know, with his tie um and, and his friend my uncle with his you know you could call your dad's uh, friends uncles um when you know in their suit uh it, it, and their sunglasses on can you see yeah, those kind of photos in menswear no so Zach, so we we've got a um um we got to do this then i suppose all of us put together. yeah definitely but i, I think what, it's super Exciting. Yeah, this is going to be quite cool actually if we do this uh, because I've always wanted to do yeah. it. Um, I think I've wanted to do it like a few years back, but I couldn't figure out who to approach. So I might just send out a yeah. message to all of you guys and say, "How about it? Let's do it." You know, yeah. it'd be so Why cool not? to because Again, a lot of people uh, haven't seen uh, this. An you know? honor, you know, yeah, the generation that for came the first generation. Exactly. So. I actually wrote a um, email out to Dishrooms and asked them if I could do it there okay. a few years back. And yeah. they actually said it's a great idea, but they were, they kind of mm -hmm. refused it. They said, sorry, they kind of turned around and said, well, we're not want to do it yet, but if you maybe mm -hmm. in the future. So let's see yeah. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I think it will be great as a, even a, a gallery exhibition exactly. or a coffee table book could be quite cool. I, and then I would love to do a coffee table book, a actually. A podcast about people's experiences. Absolutely. I mean, I think I would like to do a... I think a book would be a fab. Um, and I've had a few mm. ideas about doing a book, um, but I have been in touch with a few people about it already. So who knows? Who knows? I'm giving it away too who much knows? at the moment. Yeah. But um, what, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, how do you, who is your favourite menswear designer at the moment? My favourite menswear designer? Yeah. Uh, do you have any? I mean... <laughs> I, I don't really have a favorite designer. I think you know, you the usual by? is like say the tailors of Savile Row. You know, right, will okay. always be at the forefront. But more so, like Edward Sexton, I think his cuts are yeah, exceptional. Also, yeah. Boating, obviously, um, cloth surgeon who's on Savile Row now is very exciting to see someone like yeah. him on the row and how yeah. it's changing. Um, so there's new new people coming on the row and old designers that always been interested and intrigued by it. Um, but I'd like to see more South Asians in the space. I think it would be exciting. I think at the moment it's moving towards that. Like, you've got great platforms, like say. Um, I think we spoke about like how brown people haven't been trendy for, for historically, but I feel like there's been a shift in platforming cool yeah. people like Aaron Christian's doing something great with the Asian man and then you have Dai Parata Anita is doing some some great work in that respect and then you have great ambassadors in in the industry like Rahi Chada who's come on leaps and bounds as a model and content creator and so there's lots of people that are 
uh, more inspired by people as opposed to just and designers. Well. So, and Zach, don't forget uh, and me. And I think it's it's uh, Zach, yeah, don't forget it's a great my... cycle we're in. Zach, don't forget uh, Men's Wear by a Woman podcast. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, that's a given. That's why we're here <laughs> just today joking. talking, right? So, and we, we've, already, we've already signed up ourselves for a, a project together. So, so we're going to be doing <laughs> You know, um, um, who are you inspired by, though? Who, who, who have you been inspired by in Men's Wear? I think similar to um, what you touched upon or what we spoke about earlier, like our parents or yeah. my grandparents or yeah. like my, my great-grandfather grew up in, uh, born in Mauritius and my parents okay. used to tell me stories of how um, he was very particular about fashion and design and he used to change his clothes um, three times a day. So wow. morning he would have a different outfit, afternoon different outfit, evening he would have a different outfit. And I was just like, that's so interesting how maybe that's been passed on through generations. My granddad was a very dapper dresser and my, yeah, my, my father as well used well. to, you know, really take pride in it. So I, was, I look back similar to what we spoke about, like looking back at photo albums and archives and thinking, wow, mm. like, our parents used to dress really well. Like, what happened to? I suppose it's just cultures and um, it's pop culture in general changes, right? So yeah. trends go in and out. So, looking back on it, I think history and you know clothes as a form of social history kind of inform my inspirations and in design. And then also looking at the future, like what what does the future look like in terms of design and tailoring and menswear like you've yeah. seen a big boost in like AI and um, yeah. you know the digital world um, being very prominently um, pushed to the forefront right so yeah. it's like how how is menswear tailoring going to look in in the future right that's also exciting to to think about I think the the traditions and the handmade techniques of tailoring are always be paramount and remain iconic but also it's interesting to see how that will shift and what will happen in the, in the future right so yeah I think it's we're in an interesting period of time also because of where we are economically in the country right so there's a lot of austerity and a lot of strikes I think it's unprecedented where we are yeah. in the UK right so um, I think that will probably inform a lot of design um, for the next year or two, especially, right? So I think with social media, with with especially platforms like TikTok, it's kind of democratized who creates the trends and who drives sort of public opinion, right? So I feel like it's all kind of up in the air, Um but as long as you have good design tastemakers that carry on creating and pushing the boundary and not even just pushing the boundary, even doing what they believe in, right? And you have good representation in the way it's produced and it's done ethically and sustainably, then I think we you can always remain optimistic in in what the future holds. And what does the future hold for yourself in menswear? For me personally, I mean, I'm, I still love the the idea of creating wardrobes and designing for clients. Right. Um, 
that's always been a key interest for mine. I've kind of pivoted a bit more towards like content and art direction um, in general, but it's nice to bring in younger creatives or people in the industry that are similar generation and also the newer generation and merging the two, especially in terms of representation. And you know, usually a lot of the times South Asians have like a competitive mindset where they don't want to bring people in or work with someone because I don't know, there's this unconscious bias, right? But um, I think that's kind of subsiding a lot now where people are open and having conversations because there's enough space for everyone in the industry. I think that was kind of one of the factors that hindered a lot of South Asians yeah. getting into the industry because they're like, oh, well, you're a tailor. You could be like, there's already one of us here doing it. Like, I want to be the main person. But actually everyone has their own different ideas and views on design. So I, I'm looking forward to collaborating with a lot more um, people in general in the creative industry and not just the creative industry, just outside of that. And like this podcast is a great, a great way to, you know, speak to someone like yourself and Thank you. like the, the kind of people that you have had on the podcast is just interesting to listen to their stories and how menswear has been informed by their experiences. And yeah, I think it's a nice way to create a community and, um, yeah, bringing people people together to collaborate. I'm looking forward to yeah more collaboration in the future, and you know, an openness to to create freely. And on that note, Zach, I'd just like to thank you for coming on to Menswear by a Woman podcast. It's been an absolute blast, and it's been great having you on board. Um, I can't wait for um, for the collaboration. Yeah, I'm excited, super excited that we... Yeah, I know. See, this is so what like, happens when, when pe- good people come together. We come exactly, you know. Um, ideas just organically. <laughs> we like, we're like, actually, we have a similar... Uh, ideas. And, and I'm yeah. sure everyone else yeah, is thinking so. the same thing, you know. And it's like, okay, yeah. let's do this together then, all of us. Because you know what? Exactly. One person doing it, it makes a noise. But when we're all doing it together, it's a bit of a party, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Exactly, yeah. and it all starts with a conversation like exactly. you have been doing quite ex- uh, exceptionally for with your podcast. So it'd be brilliant. You know, actually, because I've always for, wanted for the to do you've it. Been, uh, yeah, pushing the the barriers narrative. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. So Let's we'll get it. everyone together and we'll have a <laughs> have a have a, a little um, you know rasmalai and um, Indian chai. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, then we'll get the. Get, get we'll it going. As well. yeah, you know to be done. exactly thank you once yeah, again we'll get the steel cups exactly then... you're i'm i'm there i'm there yeah. you know thank you very much well, zach for coming on board it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. and an honor thank you so much yeah, thank, thank you so much for having me Smela. Um, thank yeah. you looking forward to the future